calculatingly looked over Pei Su. Your little Pei? he asked. I am, Pei Su answered. Ming Guang narrowed his eyes and glanced at Ban Yue, taunting. I heard you threw away your heavenly official status for a little girl. He laughed and then said, Hey Ming, didn't you always used to say, brothers like limbs, women like clothes? Why is your descendant nothing like you? He doesn't even have a tenth of your eye for picking women. This guasha of Banyue looks like a little quail. What the hell? Were you maybe cucked all those hundreds of years ago and raised someone else's spawn? He laughed again. Nothing but nonsense, Pesu said, then shot a blast from his palm. Kermor also leapt into the air, roaring, We are sworn enemies. Mingguang shouted, Hey, big guy, we're on the same side. Kermor turned his head back and saw Mingguang jumping up. He transformed into a long-bladed verdant sword and flew into his hand. Kermor opened his large palms like iron fans and clutched onto the hilt. A black aura instantly exploded from his giant body. A menacing corpse taking a demonic sword in hand was like a savage beast growing venomous fangs. Earlier, when Pei Ming tapped Shilian's face with Erming, it had given Shilian an idea. Although he couldn't quite understand why, he felt maybe the same trick could help Hocham. He was going to sneakily transfer some air to him while no one was looking, to see if it would bring him some relief. However, watching the dire situation unfold, he couldn't help but shout, Watch out! It was awkward for Pei Ming to join the fight, so only Pei Su and Ban Yue banded together to attack. While one was sharp and direct, and the other agile and eccentric, just their physical strength wasn't enough. Pei Su had no spiritual power, and Ban Yue possessed no aggression. Facing Kermor, who had both spiritual power and aggression, they were feeling the strain. Banyue had just been berated by Kermor, so she was too embarrassed to throw any more scorpion snakes. But Pesu had no such concern, and threw snakes out like rain, while Kermor roared unceasingly with fury. It was only thanks to the protection of Mingguang's sword aura that none of those snakes dared approach. After Xielian watched the fight for a while, he began to relax. This was because he could tell Kermor and Mingguang didn't match well. Kermor grew up in the kingdom of Banyue and was used to wielding a mace. He was used to large and heavy weapons, so a sword was not something he was skilled with. Even if he possessed unimaginable strength and the weapon in hand was incomparably sharp. Together, they might not be able to unleash their full capabilities and wouldn't be able to learn the tricks of the trade immediately. Thus, Shilian seized this chance and clapped his palms together in a prayer toward Hochang. He said, forgive me. But when he looked at this handsome, snow-white little face before him, with those eyes closed, Shilian 
felt it was difficult to make a move. Finally, he made up his mind and shut his own eyes to press close. But in his moment of nervousness, he missed and ended up kissing Ho Chang's forehead. It was light and gentle, but his heart was crushed. Next to him, a voice spoke up. Your Highness, you've gotten it wrong. What's the use in kissing the forehead? Shirian almost fell over from shock. When he turned his head to look, Pei Ming was crouched down next to him. Sounding unusually indignant and resentful, Shirian said, General Pei, can you not look? Pei Ming raised his hands. All right, all right, all right. I won't look, he said. Then he turned around to watch the fight on the other side. After observing for a while, he piped up, speaking to Kermor. You don't use swords like that. If you don't know how to use swords, then don't use them. Naturally, Kamor didn't understand, but the Ningguan in his hands said, Yeah, unlike you, who personally snapped swords and can only stand around uselessly while criticizing. Just as he yelled, Heming suddenly flew in and entered the brawl, landing in front of Kermor. Kermor swung the sword, but there was an exceedingly crisp clang. The strike didn't hit anything, and when he looked down, he was dumbfounded. The Mingguang sword in his grip was snapped once again. Seizing this chance, Pesu threw another large wave of scorpion snakes over, like spilling a large vat of dye, covering Kermor with dark wine red from head to toe. He growled as he desperately tried to smack those slippery snakes off his body. Heming, on the other hand, looked down at that sword and said, You know my techniques inside and out, and naturally, I'd know where you'd break the easiest. Banyuwe dropped from the sky with two pots raised. Without a word, she plummeted with the mouths of the pots facing down, trapping and detaining the shocked Mingguang and the roaring Kermor within. With this, Shirin finally breathed a sigh of relief, inwardly remarking, more people definitely get things done faster. Banyue sealed the clay pots and shook them in her hands, pressing her ears close to listen for the echoes inside. Shirin hastily chided, Banyue, stop playing around, put them away, and be careful not to let them escape. Banyue nodded. She crouched in front of Shilian and looked at Hua Chang. General Hua, is this your son? She asked. Shilian smiled and said, Regrettably, he's not. But soon, he couldn't smile anymore. Banyue owed and said, I saw you kiss him earlier and thought, that he was. Shilin didn't want to say anything anymore and covered his forehead with his palm. Banyue, however, seemed to find Ho Chang rather precious. She pulled out one of his little braids, speaking with deep concern. He seems to be sick. Should I put him in the pot to have him recuperate? Last time, 
After I entered General Hua's pot, I felt I recovered really fast. Pesu walked over. No need, he said. Stop minding him. His Highness will take good care of him. Oh, Ban Yue said. Just then, Ming glanced at her. You're the Gosha of Ban Yue? he asked. He watched Ban Yue condescendingly from above. Ban Yue, who was crouching on the ground and shrouded in his shadow, nodded. Pesu took a step forward, but Ming pushed him aside and came before Ban Yue seeming to want to observe her closely. Yet unexpectedly, when he was only about two steps away from her, Banyue's face suddenly dropped, and she zoomed to hide behind Shedian, like she couldn't get away fast enough. However, judging from her expression, it didn't seem like she was scared. Everyone was puzzled, but Shedian soon understood. He courteously hinted, General Pei, um, the ghost sent candy. Pei Ming blinked, his face growing dark. It seemed that the sweetness of that ghost sent candy hadn't gone away. Since Banyue was a female ghost, she wasn't able to withstand that vulgar essence of evil and fled from the stink. Shirin couldn't help but smile, but immediately scored his expression. Why has Lord Rainmaster also come to Mount Tonglu? Where is my lord? How come you're not all together? Due to the arousal of ghosts, large numbers of inhuman creatures banded to swarm toward Mount Tonglu. When they passed by Yusha country, they captured some farmers as rations. At the time, both Lord Rainmaster and the Guardian Steed were not present. It was after learning of this incident that we've come in pursuit, Hesu explained. We were together at first, but on the way, we heard your highness yelling for us in Banyue tongue, so we split to come check things out. At the time, Shirian was only shouting randomly out of urgency and hadn't thought that they were actually close by, hitting the mark by a fluke. That Yusha country had the appearance of a quiet, small village, so it wasn't strange for ghosts to pass by and stupidly grab people. Pei Ming frowned. Before, I couldn't find you in the mortal realm. How did you end up with Lord Rainmaster? Don't tell me you are chasing after the Gosha of Banyue. Pei Su lowered his head slightly. No. It was Lord Rainmaster who saved me, he said. It turned out, after Pei Su was exiled to the lower realm, he had been travelling all over aimlessly. Since he was so free, he went and knocked over Chirong's little lairs a few times. Irked, Chirong wound up a large gang of who knows what to surround and destroy him. If Pei Su had spiritual powers, then those crude nobodies wouldn't have been able to do anything to him. But he now possessed a mortal body. So when attacked by hundreds of ghosts, he sustained injuries in the end, trapped in a miserable predicament. As he was fighting and hanging on by a thread, the Rainmaster happened to pass by riding the ox and lent a helping hand. After
after clearing his identity and story, was taken to Yusha country to recover. Ming seemed to be somewhat astounded. Lord Rainmaster didn't give you any trouble, he asked. According to Shi Qingxuan, Yusha country and the palace of Mingguang had disagreements in the past. Hundreds of years ago, the Rainmaster knocked off Pei Ming's earlier deputy general. It seemed Pei Ming didn't think the Rainmaster was someone generous. However, Pei Su said, No, Lord Rainmaster never gave me a hair of trouble. On the contrary, I've received much support. Just then, an echoing voice suddenly sounded. Rainmaster, is the Rainmaster someone from the kingdom of Yusha? Shilian replied without thinking, That's right. But after he answered, he noticed that the voice belonged to Mingguang. He was locked in the pot, but he was still listening intently for the situation outside. After Shirian responded, he clicked his tongue. Pay me, he said. Did you sleep with so many women just to produce this kind of useless descendant? He actually needed the protection of someone from the kingdom of Yusha to survive, and he's even speaking well of them. Truly, each generation gets worse than the one before it. Ha! Hearing him, Pei Ming looked somewhat ill at ease. Shilin couldn't understand and asked Ban Yue in a whisper, Do you understand what he's saying? Not really, Ban Yue replied, but I think I've heard Pei Su Goga say that before his general ascended, he was a general of the kingdom of Shuli. Was there anything wrong with Pei Ming being the general of Shuli? Very much so, because as far as Shilin knew, the kingdom of Yusha had been flattened by the iron steeds of the kingdom of Shuli. Banyue added, Lord Rainmaster was the last ruler of the kingdom of Yusha. No wonder Pei Ming always looked strange whenever the Rainmaster was mentioned. And no wonder the Rainmaster didn't hold back when disciplining that former deputy heavenly official. It turns out, both parties had a long and ancient grudge. It must be known that to heavenly officials, it certainly was more than natural for kingdoms of the mortal realm to fight and annihilate one another. The acts of these players progressing on endlessly. But when it came to their own turn, it was often hard to let things go. If one must stand in the same court, as the one who annihilated their own kingdom, and that man cavorted in the heavens, exceedingly flashy, then it must be vexing. Pesu added a talisman to the surface of the pot, and Lingguang's voice came to an abrupt stop. Pesu asked, Why has the general come to? Isn't it all so I can drag you back sooner? Pingming replied. Shilin remembered Hua Chang's words. It seemed this was the benefit Pei Ming negotiated with Jun Wu when being dispatched to Mount Tonglu. Pei Ming patted Pei Su's shoulder. Since you're here, do me proud, he said. If you perform well here, then perhaps you can be pulled back to the upper court earlier.
Pesu hadn't yet answered, but the charmed talisman on the pot in his hand burnt up. It was Mingguang, locked inside, who had used his fury to burn the talisman. Hey Ming, he shouted, do you still remember what you said back then? Pesu was about to add another talisman to shut him up, but Pei Ming stopped him. I've spoken too many words in this lifetime, he said. What are you referring to? Ming Guang spat hatefully. Do you still remember what excuse you used to kill all the subordinates who followed you for years? Some people can be killed, some can't. Some things can be done, some can't. Sounding like you possess the heart of Buddha, forgiving of all. And now, did you think no one knows what despicable deeds your little pay has done? Word has already spread, and here you are, trying to wipe his ass and help him hide his past. So the brothers who followed you to the battles from the north to the south deserved to die, but when it came to your descendant, he didn't. Someone like you, who tosses used clothes and ditches used limbs, is your little pay a gem and the rest of us weeds? He roared furiously and mindlessly, but Pei Ming listened to the end. He suddenly said, You're not Ming Guang. The pot instantly became silent. A moment later, Ming Guang's resounding voice what bullshit are you spouting? Have you not seen whether I'm Ming Guang? Did you not see my form? However, Pei Ming stated with conviction, No, you're not Ming Guang. The voice inside the pot was grouchy. Then who else can I be? Pei Ming took the pot from Pei Su's hands, sounding sure. I think you're wrong, Guang. When the name was called out, that pot fell into complete silence. Hearing this name, Pesu's eyes widened slightly. Shilin asked, General Pei Jr., who is this wrong guang? Pesu snapped out of it and was a little hesitant before he answered. Before the general ascended, he was the deputy general who followed him the longest and the most capable subordinate. And so Shilian finally learned the story behind the general who snapped his sword. Back then, when Pei Ming was still mortal, he was successful in the battlefields of both love and war. A general who was constantly victorious for decades without a single defeat to his name. It was naturally his own courage and skill involved, but the support of his deputy general couldn't be dismissed. This deputy general was named Rong Guang. Rong Guang was famous for cunning deception and manipulation. Although the two had very different personalities and styles, they had known each other since they were young, and their collaboration was unexpectedly good. One in the light, one in the shadows. Their relationship spanned years, a friendship made of steel. Pei Ming's sacred sword, Ming Guang, it was a name they came up with together, a combination of the homonyms 
of Ming and Guang from their own names. Pei Ming knew how to fight wars, and in a chaotic period of history, knowing how to fight wars was much more important than knowing how to make money or anything else. So naturally, he continued to rise in rank. However, no matter how high he climbed, the highest he could go was general. There could be endless honourable and esteemed titles to be hung before the word general, but there would always be another sitting on his head. Before the king, he must bow and kneel. As for himself, he didn't have any particular opinion on the matter. However, as he sieged fortress after fortress, and the shine of glory on his armour grew brighter and brighter, the troop under Rong Guang's lead was growing restless. Peming himself was never so proud that he forgot his roots and principles, but his subordinates were swelling infinitely on his behalf. The worst offender was Rong Guang. Since he built close ties with the soldiers, he could easily fan their hearts and planted many ideas in the minds of veteran subordinates. Like, General Pei deserves more than the status he's been given. General Pei and us are oppressed. The kingdom of Shu Li needs General Pei and us to save it. They plotted and planned to invade the imperial palace of Shu Li to name Pei Ming King, to have him lead the veteran troops to great achievement and bring them to stand at the summit as the strongest kingdom. They even concocted the grand scheme of flattening all four seas with their steeds of steel and unifying the world. Unfortunately, Pei Ming himself had no interest in becoming king whatsoever. His greatest joy in life was to fight victorious battles and bid beautiful women, and he didn't need to be king to do either. Besides, although the king of Shuli wasn't anyone amazing, he didn't do anything wrong either. If he was to take over, he might not do better. To rashly cause havoc had more cons and pros, so why bother stirring up trouble for no reason? Thus, every time Rong Guang excitedly tried to throw hints at him. Peiming skillfully thwarted him. After many attempts, not only was Rong Guang unconvinced, he was becoming more and more obsessed. Until finally, one day, the group of them gathered to resolve that no matter what, they shall revolt. Once the deed was done, there would be no way Peiming could back down. Listening to this point, Shirian was speechless, thinking, how can something like this be as easy as ushering ducks? Peisu saw that he was pensive and said, Rong Guang might not have truly wanted to name Pei Ming King, but he had to borrow the general's name to revolt. Since his prestige wasn't as high as the general's, if he raised his own flag, he might not be able to appease the people. Shirian pondered, that might not be entirely true. The reason they used Pei Ming's name was to put Pei Ming on the throne, so naturally Pei Ming couldn't pretend not to know what was going on. 
he instantly picked up the sword and led a small trustworthy group of soldiers and charged the palace to fight. And this fight was the last battle of his life.